welcome back to the edit. This is the uh, weekly look at everything that crosses the radar here on Esquire Middle East. Uh, welcome back. Um, I'm Matthew Baxter-Priest, and I'm joined with Alex, which we discussed last week. M- more Alex than Alexander. Yes, preferably. It's just, it's just less formal. It's more ideal. Yeah, exactly. And I'm going to go with William, not Will. As formal as possible. Exactly. We like to uh, mix it up with the <laughs> with the different dynamics here. Um, yeah, welcome back to the show. Um, hope you've had a, a good week. And uh, and we are basically going to give you the bite-sized edits of things that you need to be aware of just to basically make you more interesting at a dinner table. You want to be that. You want to be that guy that um, that friends are like. I know a guy. No, we we want to help you be that guy. We are that guy. We are, <laughs> and you will be that guy through us, <laughs> collectively, <laughs> collectively. Um, so, how's everyone doing? How is everyone doing on this uh, lovely October morning? It's good. I feel like the NBA came, swept into town, and kind of took all the energy with it for a moment. You know, it was just this gigantic moment. You had Adam Silver here. You had all these huge players here. You had concerts and events. And it was really, I think it excited the country in a way I was really not expecting. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, that's a fantastic segue into our first section that we like to call News Views and Shoes. So, uh, so yeah, well, so you mentioned the NBA. Um, yeah, tell us, tell us, uh, is that the most interesting thing that's crossed your desk? I know that you were kind of heavily involved in multiple ways there. Um, so, uh, so what did we miss and tell everyone what, what, uh, what we can be excited for? So, yes, yeah, so, so the NBA played its first ever games in the Gulf um, with two huge teams, you know, the Atlanta Hawks and the Milwaukee Bucks. You had Giannis. The you know MVP and I think the the biggest star in the young crop of players as well as Trey Young, Javante Murray, just tremendous players across the board as well as bringing in legends to kind of represent the sport. You know a sport that you know has a huge fan base. You know, for example in the, the Filipino community um, and in pockets. You know Lebanon has a, a basketball scene. Saudi has an up and coming basketball league of its own. That's interesting. So the sport is slowly I think rising throughout the region and the NBA is like you know what this is our time. Let's go big. Let's go full on in. And I, I think more big things are to come. You know, you saw the commissioner meeting with the, the higher-ups in Abu Dhabi, mm-hmm. which could, you know, signal perhaps maybe this team that Jeff Bezos might buy, the, the, the Phoenix Suns might end up being bought by us. But that's pure speculation. I don't know anything on that. I like the idea of bought by us being like bought by us at Esquire Middle East. <laughs> we, we get our own Yeah, we, we, take, get our own we, we take our ownership um, from the region. And I think... Really, it was also amazing to see legends come to town. Sure. Shaquille O'Neal. Uh, you see, so I saw a video of, of your good self, Will Malali, um, with talking to, to, to Shaq. Uh, I believe it was on our Esquire uh, Reels, Esquire Middle East Reels. And, um, but I didn't, there was, I mean, me being the age I am uh, and the, you know, with coolness in a, inverted commas, not necessarily my strong suit. I didn't get the vernacular that you guys were talking. So, so talk me through a little bit through. That. <laughs> well, okay. So, as as a little recap, you know, you know what? Let's just let's hear from Shaq himself. Fine. Okay. Yeah, I was I was getting really chubby, so I started to working out. I posted a Thought Daddy Thursday pic a couple weeks ago. <laughs> people, good. people call it thirst trap, but I call it Thought Daddy Thursday. <laughs> So yes, Shaq refers to Thought Daddy Thursdays. <laughs> <laughs> For you know, he's obviously done a lot to, to get himself into shape. He's fifty now. That's unreal. Fifty, I know. Well, I mean, I, I mean, I said to him myself, I didn't really feel old until there were professional players that were named after him that were joining various sports leagues. It was just absolutely blew my I mind. I always said that Shaquille O'Neal sounds like a famous Irish poet. 
it's fantastic. It's yeah. just one of the great names. Yeah. You know, that was another thing we actually talked about. He was saying that his his grandmother at a young age, he started, you know, realizing that he just had a basketball name. He heard like someone <laughs> say it and he's just like, you know what, I think I'll succeed. I just I have the name. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing but, to do with the fact that he's like seven foot tall. No, 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 that, no. That, that's all incidental. But really it's the name. That's the, all that really matters. <laughs> um, but yeah, so a thought um, is someone who basically posts pictures that are attractive online for other people's attention, uh, among other, you know, really just attention-getting um, activities. And so uh, Thought Daddy, obviously he is the, the Shaq Daddy, as Alex so wantonly loves to call him. I mean, that's his handle, isn't it? It's just, it's a good, it's a good branding for Thursday. <laughs> Shaq Daddy or, or Thought Thought Thursdays? I mean, I think I think Shaq Daddy would be too to, only about him, so he's just bringing in the rest of the world by saying Thought Daddy. Is is Thought Daddy like a, a thing or absolutely like, not? No. So, so we've so with the help of Shaquille O'Neal, we've coined uh, we've coined this. This is yeah. This is you know Shaq's gift to the world among the many copious gifts that he has gifted <laughs> upon us. It's just a, a wonder with with language. So I mean, there's a lot of stuff I've seen like um uh, on the media and and online about um you know just the how much the the players kind of. Um, were around Abu Dhabi, were kind of making appearances, kind of getting involved in communities. Um, and I think, like, the legacy that they've done here over that, that week, I think, is significant compared to a lot of other people that have, uh, and a lot of federations that have done that. So I think, um, as I, it's what you said earlier, there's, it's a real growing boom. Basketball's new to no one, but it's a real growing boom here, and it's, it's cool. It is cool. Yeah, because I remember when it was announced, I'm like, okay, yes, me the American. I care about this. I also grew up with, you know, the the garden with the Celtics playing just, you know, not that far from my house. But do people in the region care? And I think we had a photographer who flew in from Saudi on behalf of Esquire Middle East to shoot the games. And it was really, I think, just honestly, I started talking to him and I just picked up my phone and turned on the recorder and just started hearing his story because he's this guy, you know, Talal Afadi who's born and raised in Jeddah, and when he was, you know, early in high school, discovered the game, started getting into the history of it, you know, learning about players like Michael, learning about Kobe, and just fell in love with it. And he started playing, he had no one to play with, and he said, you know, I don't care if I don't have anyone, if no one else plays this game, I'm going to play this game. Just dove into the history of it, found anyone, he would go, like, on the underground, he'd, like, walk down the streets trying to find someone playing, maybe, like, um, just in parks, yeah, pickup games. And then at the end of high school, decided that he was going to move to the U.S. and go pursue his basketball dreams. At first, he wanted to be a player, and he started look, looking for you know Duke, UNC, you know these big basketball mm. Division One as they're called schools. Um, ended up you know getting accepted at a Division Three school, you know a smaller school in New Jersey. Still didn't make the team. So wait, this is a this is a, a guy from Saudi who just decided I love basketball so much I'm going to the U.S. Literally. Yeah, no other, like, he just discovered it, you know, searching online sure. and fell in love with it sure. and devoted his life to it. Went all the way to the U.S. You know, I'm like, you're from Saudi, though. Like, this is, <laughs> he's like, yeah, of course. Why? why? And so I, I think it's just a story that I was just completely unaware of. Sure. And while he was there, he wanted to, you know, stay close to the team, discovered photography just as a way to, you know, stay engaged, be able to, you know, cover things for the local paper mm. and just developed a passion for that and started finding his eye as an artist you know, and came back to Saudi, started shooting the, you know, local burgeoning, you know, Saudi Basketball League, getting really involved in that mm. as that really, um, you know, grew and continues to grow. And coming to, to Abu Dhabi for this was really, I think, a culmination of everything he's built to since he was 14 years old. Sure. You know, he was just so emotional and also just 
so outgoing, you know, like we're, we're sitting there and, you know, all these players are coming by and they're like, listen, don't look them in the eye, do not smell them. And he's just going right up to them, just like with his gigantic film camera, just be like, can I take a portrait of you? Can we take a picture together? <laughs> I need like 15 to 20 minutes of your time. <laughs> Seriously. And they were all, you know, I think very gracious, which I think is also a testament to, you know, happy they were to be here to interact with these sorts of fans. But honestly, I feel like he's a representative, not only, you know, the the subculture that exists that people might not have known, but also I think what basketball can be if the NBA properly invests in the region, which it looks like they're going to. Yeah, awesome. Well, look, um, for, for more of what um, Will's been just describing there, um, his work is appearing or has appeared both on our Instagram uh, account, which is Esquire Middle East, uh, and also on EsquireME.com. So honestly, some really, really striking photography work. Better than your, not better, but just like, I don't feel feels more personal, feels more private and candid shots of, of the NBA teams. Um, so that, uh, and it's definitely worth checking out. So uh, if you've got a spare few minutes, I would uh, implore you to to check that out. Absolutely, and I think hopefully we have a lot more of Talal to come. Yeah, um, Alex, what's uh, what's crossed your desk this week in a, on this uh, delightful October? Well, I found out that um, Seoul DXB is coming back after a three-year hiatus to celebrate their 10th anniversary. And for those of you who don't know, it's uh, it basically the, it's a festival that celebrates Arab excellence, and it in, involves music, fashion, visual arts, and it's taking place in the Dubai Design District. From yeah, it's, uh, it, it started in the Dubai Design District, right? Yeah, I mean, it's basically it was the project of, you know, I think three friends who just loved shoes, loved shoe culture and mm. all the offshoots of it and just created something that, you know, brought in people from the hip hop world, people from the fashion world mm. and just people from street culture and fashion in general to create something that ultimately became like a cultural movement for the last decade across Dubai. Yeah, I remember when it launched, um, you know, I've been in the region for a while <laughs> let's put it that way and I remember when it launched and it was it was that element of like are they going to do a street culture like festival if you will weekend festival uh, and there was a bit of apprehension would it be too commercialized will it be a bit like you know stayed and over the top and everyone you know, but it really grew into be legitimate and a real kind of homegrown community feel to it um, that was really an output that we never really had before. So uh, it's awesome that it here. It's, and you said it's coming back. It's been three years since it's been away. I assume COVID and things. Yeah, that, that's that's really it. And it's it's going to take place from the December 9th to the 11th. And um, this year, they're specifically collaborating with Moroccan artist Hassan Hajjaj. And, um, as, and there's also going to be a Moroccan rapper as well for the music side, El Grande Toto. And yeah, and also master vocalist Kadia um, El Wazia. Yeah, I think, you know, there's bound to be a million surprises because we saw, you know, great little concerts. It, it'd be amazing. It, it's honestly, it's the kind of feeling that you always hope is in Dubai, but mm. is not usually in Dubai. You sure. know, it's like Earl Sweatshirt or Tower of the Creator playing in front of a hundred people <laughs> in this like tiny little venue, interacting with people, acting completely insane. It's yeah. very different. As much as I love, you know, the gigantic, you know, Coca-Cola arena experience. Sure. This is the kind of experience that I grew up on, and sure. I, I'm always like yearning to, to be more here. And Soul DXB is one of the only things that really brings it. Sure, I mean Stormzy's been uh, performing there before, right? I yeah, mean. it's just honestly the names they've been able to pull. I mm -hmm. think I don't I don't know how they do it, but and this year should be like uh, what you mentioned. So you've got Hassan Jaj, and he's basically comparing or hosting the gig. I don't think they've ever yeah, had that kind of uh, element before. Yeah, he's essentially hosting it, and. Um, you know, as part of this, you know, his, it was his idea of the fashion that they're bringing to this event this year, really. For the specific kind of curation of it as well. Yeah, for cool. this year. When, when, uh, when is it? So have they announced the dates? 
Yeah, the dates are from December 9th to the 11th. Cool. And, um, and I assume tickets are available. Yeah, and tickets. You can, the pre-sale is available now, so there's a limited run, and you can get the three-day um, pass, but then you'll have to wait until October when they have the general sale of the tickets go on. Fair enough. This October. Currently. This October. Anyway, I, I believe for more details, uh, you've written up the story on EsquireAmy.com, am I right? Yeah, it's on there if you want to, anyone wants to read all the full details of the event, yeah. Cool. Awesome, man. Thanks. Um, I'm going to dive in uh, for my little uh, news views. I'm going to focus a little bit on the shoes. Uh, and uh, talk about, obviously, as we build up, uh, kind of our editorial team is fully functioning on uh, World Cup build-up, a lot of FIFA World Cup 22 Qatar stories. But um, I really wanted to shine a little moment on uh, a bit of news that came out this week where uh, AC Milan have actually come to a partnership with uh, Off-White for basically what they're calling their off-field uniforms, which basically is just like the, the non-kit side of things and it's an interesting little dynamic that because it's this is kind of continuing trend of fashion brands getting more and more involved in football and real kind of taking that relationship out to the mass public uh but you've been looking at things in the past year alone dior you know high-end french fashion brand uh teaming up with uh paris saint-germain you've also had Zegna from italy uh in strangely but teaming up with real madrid to create again this kind of the uniforms, the, the the suiting, and the little bit more relaxed kind of formal kit that they'll wear on the way into the stadium. So off the buses, through the changing rooms before they change their kit. But the off-white Milan one is an interesting one because it's really like, well, off-white, you know, for its kind of zeitgeist, hype beast, drenched reputation, you know, from, from Virgil Abloh. But it's it's interesting that Milan have gone with something like this. Yes, it's cool, it's young, uh, but it's almost like this element of streetwear then really coming into it. Now, I don't think Off-White would specifically call itself just streetwear, but it is showing that the, the, the kind of these professional centuries-old football clubs are opening up to the possibilities of what actually their fans are wearing. So it's a, it's a cool... Um, it's a cool collaboration. Uh, you know, it's it's leather jackets and bomber jackets and um, and slightly kind of more relaxed suiting. Um, but again, I think it's their gender inclusive and equality uh, mindset behind both Off White and AC Milan that are, that really brought it together. So it looks cool. I'm uh, I'm into it. Yeah, I think from if I look at this from Off White's perspective and sure. from like the late Virgil Abloh's perspective, you know, obviously, obviously for you know, AC Milan, I think it's a, it's a slam dunk. But for, for what Virgil originally wanted to do with Off-White, if we go back to, you know, him and, and Kanye when they were first kind of ideating, you know, what fashion could be, it was really just about taking street culture, taking street fashion, and also giving it the tools that was really never allowed to it. You know, giving it the top talent, giving it the, you know, the, the, the high fashion eye that really was just kind of not afforded while also you know keeping the authenticity and keeping the spirit of what street culture could be and i think it's really just about making fashion much more accessible keeping it from being just something that the absolute elites can do and everyone else gets it trickled down when it, once it reads the discount stores years later and i think this is another way that fashion can become more accessible you know people who are really into to football can now discover something maybe a bit different a, a different avenue into finding their own personal style and finding a different way to express themselves artistically and stylistically and i think that's really interesting and i think it's going to be fun to see where this can go yeah exactly um i did mention the shoes um also one to add on there is former esquire cover star 
uh, Karen Benzema was, I believe, last month. Um, he was announced as the uh, the the footwear ambassador of Fendi. So again, it's this element of you know football really teaming up with the high end fashion brands, or maybe the other way around. If I'm honest, I think it's the fashion brands coming to the football teams. Um, and I get it, I get it. But it is that kind of more accessible and broadening appeal of. I don't want to say the masses, but football is is a mass game. Um, it's not an elitist game. You just need a ball and and some jumpers for goalposts. Um, but it is this uh, this real kind of collaboration there, which is a uh, going to be hot and present, and it's going to be it's going to be huge around the World Cup. Absolutely, yeah. I think the fashion world, you know, the big houses are always looking for inspiration wherever they can find it. Whether that's you know bringing in people like Virgil to head Louis Vuitton, whether that's you know Kim putting his arm around whomever is the, you know, the person of the moment or, you know, Balenciaga, you know, Demna going to, to Kanye um, for, you know, another sort of inspiration. Going I, through I the think. bins with Kanye? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Being as diplomatic as possible. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never. I'm but, never diplomatic. But yeah, you know, I, I feel like they, they want to find um, something within football that can inspire them back and drive more people th- through them. So I think it ultimately can be mutually beneficial, but I think those dynamics play out differently depending on who's the head of these houses and what exactly they want to do with them. Cool. Awesome, guys. Uh, now we'll move on to section two. So now on to the, uh, the more meatier part of the, of the show. Um, it's more of a kind of a focused look on, on a particular subject. And what we're doing this week is uh, we're looking at one of the big blockbuster films that are coming out, again from huge superhero production companies, um, which are not my favorite thing to talk about. But it does actually, um, it's obviously super helpful to have William here, who is the film's kind of leading film journalist. So, uh, well, we're talking Black Adam. Uh, it is specifically relevant to the region, which I'm, you're, I'm going to get you to unpick for a minute there. Uh, so, uh, and it's out coming out in October 20th, I believe. I might not be correct on that, but that's what my notes in front of me say. So, um, yeah. So, uh, what, 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 and what, what should we expect, and why should we be uh, interested about Black Adam coming out? See, that's the thing. I feel like there's skepticism with Black Adam because this is not a character that really has that long of a history. You know, people have kind of, at times, even made fun of Dwayne Johnson, its star, because, you know, he said something like, oh, I was a fan since I was a little kid. (laughs) But this is a character who barely had, like, six appearances (laughs) before they they really started pushing him in in recent years, as he was originally just kind of a foil for um, Captain Marvel, a.k.a. Shazam. And he's this, you know, guy who has a rootings in you know ancient Egypt here in the film kind of rooted into a you know nondescript imagined uh, Arab you know sort of like Agrabah uh, with, with Aladdin the Middle East region <laughs> well the broad, fictional broad city strokes. is Kandak just for those who to be in the know yeah there we go yeah so I, I think with this though it's not only an opportunity for you know Dwayne Johnson the rock to enter the superhero world but it's also an opportunity to introduce the justice society of america which okay putting on my nerd glasses here putting a little tape in between them you know he actually has nerd glasses (laughs) (laughs) i've got a panoply of nerd glasses they're all great i'm currently retiring the you know jeffrey dahmer glasses i think they're a bit too of the moment i mean they are fire absolute fire (laughs) well hey he looked good in them too you know (laughs) all you know being a serial killer was standing but I, i think what makes you know, the Justice Society, interesting, 
is not only were these the characters of the quote-unquote golden age of comics that were, you know, the, the you know, the pre, you know, Superman world where there were all these different sorts of heroes, but in later years they became interesting because they were kind of repackaged to be a proper family. You know, their their children were characters. They all kind of lived together. Um, you know, Black Adam took on a, a larger role with all of them. So this is not only introducing, you know, Dwayne as Black Adam, this, you know, super powerful, you know, Superman-esque character who's something of a um, a tweener, I guess we can say, as wrestling fans. Sure, you know, sure. Not a face, not a heel. Yeah, an in, an in-betweener. You don't, you know, he's your anti-heel. He's Sorry, he's your anti-hero. He's your, do you like him, do you hate him? Yeah. Uh, Current Seth Rollins, I guess we can say. Excellent wrestling <laughs> reference. I'm into it. <laughs> and I think, you know, with... With that, it's it's obviously great to see his take on it, but I'm really interested to see, you know, having, you know, Pierce Brosnan come in, you know, having Noah Centineo come in, Quintessa Swindell, all of these smaller characters who have so much potential to grow, because as we know the, well, okay, maybe you don't know, but as fans of the superhero world know, DC has been something of a mess for a while because, you know, they handed the entire thing to, to Zack Snyder and then lost faith in his vision and just turned it into a mess and they've really not been sure what they want to do with it because there's a huge fandom over here and there's a lot of people who don't like it over here they don't know how to make those two things work they both released a justice league movie and then did a huge hit piece in rolling stone talking about why they're mad that they were forced to do it yeah uh. <laughs> but you know i think this is really um not only just a a, a trial for these new characters it's also i think a new potential direction this is a bit of a course corrector yeah and look, I mean, look, I, I will never judge anyone on, on trying trying for something and making a mistake or something not sticking. So, you know, this is a it's an interesting new angle. Yeah, and I think with these with these actors, it was really just about putting, you know, really different, interesting people in the same room and just seeing how they mesh. And I think having, you know, friend of Esquire Middle East Mo Amr being put into this mix, not as a superhero, but as, you know, one of the gang, I think it just created this amazing environment on set. You know, I was talking to Quintessa, for example, who was talking about how he would literally sit up 24 hours just making brisket and then bringing it to everyone. <laughs> <laughs> and just just being cool. And they didn't really know how to handle it. Like, he just showed up with a motorcycle. He said, yo, I bought a motorcycle. This is my motorcycle now. And so Quintessa just went out and bought a motorcycle, too. And they were motorcycle buddies. Unbelievable. Yeah, to be fair, we could have Mo Amma coming over to the office and making us some brisket, too. So um, if you're listening, Mo, that's, uh, exactly. you know. We're into that. Seriously, and we will be in Black Adam too. Like, if anything's going to get us on board, it's just Mo Amr being Mo Amr. You know, I think the, you know, I think what's always cool with these sorts of movies as well is, you know, because everyone's, you know, family on set, oh, we're best buddies, but then they don't ever call each other again. Sure. Um, but, you know, when I was talking to, to Mo, which we'll hear of in a bit, um, I, I think, like, literally the day before we talked, Noah Centineo showed up at his house at 5 a.m. to drive him to set for a different movie for no reason. Oh, wow. Okay, wow. Yeah, literally. He literally, just, like, like be became genuine friends on set, not just like, and we're all a big family. Literally. Like, oh, just wow. showed up and said, yo, I'm going to give you a ride tomorrow. I can I can call an Uber. He's like, no, I'm coming. And he just showed up at 5 a.m. with a coffee in his hand. He's like, hey, buddy. And they just sat in his kitchen for a minute. Like, yeah, you see, that's that's actually super, um, I, I don't want to say surprising, but it's super heartwarming to, to see that because a lot of, you know, we, we, we sit on the one end of a lot of marketing and a lot of media I mean, we are the media, but, you know, people try to pitch us stories, and whether it's fashion, sports, film, anything. Um, and when you actually kind of, you know, everyone tells you how great and happy they are, and then we've literally seen, you know, the, the Olivia Wilde uh, 
catastrophe for um, what was the film called? Uh, don't, don't call me don't, darling. Don't worry, darling. don't worry, darling. Like um, you know, we see that happening, and you realize that people really don't like each other on set. To turning around to people who actually, you know, the minute the set's over, they're still calling each other up. They're still hanging out. They're riding motorcycles. They're uh, picking each other up from the airport. It's a, uh, it's a little bit, uh, it's a heartwarming. Yeah, literally. And I was talking to Quintessa, who was talking about the fact that. You know, very Gen Z, very, you know, just talking about, you know, identity and, you know, who they are as, as people. And uh, Dwayne was someone who's, you know, also, you know, 50, also completely cut off from this, but also just really wanted to know what was going on. You know, okay, what are the new terms? What's going on? How, what, what do I need to learn about the world? You know, coming up with, you know, different ways to, to get involved and be inclusive. And I think once you create an environment like that, you create an environment where people can actually be friends and... You know, I think also it, it helps when they're all just genuinely cool people. I mean, Dwayne, Dwayne Johnson can't put a foot wrong for me. I've been a fan of The Rock since, like, 1998. He's, yeah, he's... And just, what a dude. Like, you know, I'm so happy for his success and, and everything achieved. And I'm really happy that people are just, like, everyone's in on him, you know. Uh, I'm going to go see the film just on his sake, uh, but also maybe because of Mo. Uh, That's the thing. Like, you can't, like... You should be able to make fun of Dwayne. Like if he says something, oh, I was a fan of this as a kid, but you just love him. So if anything, it's it's unjust and you just go back to just being the biggest fan of the guy in the world because he works hard. He's there. He's present. He's mm. got zero ego. Mm. Every Like my friend Rosie, who's a comic book historian, sure. sat down with him to talk about this movie. And he sat there asking her questions because he saw an opportunity. He's like, oh, you really know about this. And just went into the history of it, wanted to know, curious about the people around him. When he so easily could just have an ego and shut everyone else off. So yeah. I think that's what like makes me think this movie is going to be something special because these people really care. Yeah, and another that's actually an awesome story to hear because, you know, so much of the time people will. Uh, when you play a character, you know, everyone expects you to be the absolute oracle of that character, and at least he's big enough to be like, hey, I'm an actor. People pay me a lot of money to play this character and role. Uh, it doesn't yeah. mean he has to know everything about it. It means that he also just delivers the scripts and that. And also fascinated by the backstory of it because that's, that's him, isn't it? It's that progression to learn. Yeah. The Rock will tell you firsthand that he's always he's a work in progress yeah. and he will always be a work in progress, which makes him so kind of enjoyable as a human. You know, yeah. like, um, and how amazing it is when you just don't have the insecurities to sit there and have to peacock all the time. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I know everything. No, like, oh, cool. You know more about this? Teach me. Sure, sure. Absolutely. Just good human stuff, like good man stuff. Yeah. Good lessons on life. I mean, it's kind of like the show, if I'm honest. Uh, <laughs> cheap plug. <coughs> yeah, you know, Come on the show, Dwayne. Come on. <laughs> we'll get you in, Dwayne. Yeah, um, actually, there's a, a friend of ours uh, in, in, in the wider Esquire family whose brother directed uh, Red Notice. Uh, and dodgeball and dodgeball and apparently i mean this could be major spoilers but uh, actually no i'm not gonna say i don't want to get into any legal trouble but <laughs> watch this space we're gonna get the rock we're gonna get him i know we will it is gonna happen i've got it in my heart um awesome so listen uh black adam out october 20th thanks for that well that was super good my pleasure Cool, now we move swiftly along to the uh, final part of our show. As always, um, it's titled, or entitled, uh, Strong Opinions Loosely Held. Now, essentially, for any new listeners on this, uh, I am quite an opinionated man, but then again, I'm paid to be quite an opinionated man. So um, I have a lot of opinions about a lot of little things, uh, but I am completely and always willing to be... um, 
kind of argued down and might have my opinion changed. So this is the bit of the show where if people in the here or at home don't agree with me, just let us know. Uh, this week's uh, strong opinion is, I hate the word whilst. Whilst. I don't like people whilst. who use whilst. I don't like people who write whilst. Um, it's For me, it's, uh, it's used as like a way to for people to seem more clever. They're like, oh, well, whilst I was doing this, what you actually mean is the word while. Yeah, literally. So tell me I'm wrong. I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. Well, welcome to the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. It's, it's, it's one of those words like why, why would you need, why would it be better used over while? That's, that's my question, really. Exactly. That's the same question I'm asking you, my friend. I mean, I think, okay, I'm going to take the opposite side here because I do think words are fun. And yes, people overuse them and misuse them. But I've had so many arguments over, over time when people just want to continually simplify language. Mm -hmm. You know, why would we ever say utilize when we have use? Are you just being pretentious? And it's like, no, there is a difference. There is actually something that you can add. And so I think having the more words at your disposal allows you to, to add color to a sentence, not necessarily just by sounding smarter because you used a slightly longer word, but because you can imbue something with a slightly different meaning and a slightly different flavor, and it just makes it fun to talk or write, you know? Sure, so you're saying it's a, it's a wider paint. It's, a, it's an additional color of paint to... to uh... An extra crayon in the crayon box. Yeah, fine. Look, I understand that the idea of it. I just I find that the, the intention behind it is normally like, well, look, oh, if I'm writing something again, look, you know, we are editors here at Esquire, right? So like again, I find a lot of people will speak and submit stuff to us to be like, hey, I'm really clever too. Now, cleverness in my head mainly mainly comes from your ability to analyze and assess life around you. That's not necessarily using in the shift. F7 or whatever the thesaurus shortcode is. It's weird that I know that, isn't it? Um, <laughs> but for whilst is always something that I'll only ever read when people are pitching stories to us or writing stories to us. And then, you know, if they're writing to their friend, uh, no one's writing whilst on WhatsApp. No, but all. I mean, I think you can kind of tell the difference between, again, not being judgmental, um, being maybe being slightly judgmental. Oh, I'm totally but, judgmental. But being like, the sort of people that you can tell like they stopped reading books once they stopped being assigned in school mm. just by the way they might talk about them you can tell people who are still writing to teacher sure you know what i mean moreover that's another fun one. Oh yeah moreover it's like they it, which is just like you know you just want to push someone in the direction where you can find your own voice and just write like a human being because you're not sitting here getting a grade bro like you just need to communicate an idea and make other people understand and that's what good writing is but you know i, I think that can be hard. And I think the same way that, you know, it's hard for someone like Dwayne Johnson to become someone who's so secure in himself that he could admit this. You need to be able to be really secure in yourself to drop the pretensions of writing and stop writing to someone who gave you an A and a gold sticker 20 years ago. Yeah, you know, and an adaptive fact is uh, I could probably uh, ease up and let people write the way they want to read. But, you know, that's not the job. Yeah, no. Look, like, uh, I, I'm with you. I just think the, yeah, I think, listen, I'm going to concede. Mm. Uh, while I still continue to hate the word whilst, and I will always edit it out, uh, so I'm not conceding that. But I will concede to the idea that, that Will's kind of uh, demonstrated here, saying that, you know, if you're having fun with language, and you, the, the intention is right. And the intention is not to, as I said, show pony. But if you're Dwayne Johnson with your words, 
And I'm Seriously. cool with that. I'm cool with that. Whilst watching Black Adam, I'm going to be having a great time. <laughs> Moreover, if you want to get in touch with us uh, or, or contact the show or enjoyed what you're listening or really hated the listening, to be fair, we're, um, we are available. Uh, do you guys want to get your plugs in? Uh, Will, where can people find you on social and, uh, and, and where else? So please send all hate mail to at Alex Bridal. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Instagram, just I think everything. Um, not to me at WH Miley on all social media. Definitely not there. Alex, uh, well, Alex. as as Will pointed out, yes, my handle is uh-huh. Alex Bridal, but to re- just to remind everyone, it's spelled B R I D L E, not as you know, as in the horse's bridle, not bridal shower, which is a common mistake. Uh, yeah, I, I think like you throw a good bridal shower though. Bridal, not bridal. Yeah, that, that's confused me even more. <laughs> just go with that. Change your handle to bridal, not bridal. No, I can't change my name. No, <laughs> no, no, fair, no, no. Fair. I get it. I get it. Uh, look, I am available at Mr. Pika on social medias. Uh, and also you can hit us up at Esquire M-E or Esquire Middle East. Middle East on Instagram, M-E on everything else. Uh, we'll be back with the editor next week. Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure.